Get to Old Navy now for February's biggest style steal. 40% off all jeans and tees. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. With tees from just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. All jeans and tees are on sale, even your favorite rock star jeans. All jeans and all tees are 40% off right now. Don't miss out. Run into Old Navy and OldNavy.com today. Valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees. Active licensed and men's package tees. Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one, one. When I had come down this hill, I had seen this creature cross the road. It would have ripped my locked door from my truck extracted me from my vehicle, and there wasn't a damn thing I could have done about it. This thing, I got to notice in its eyes. Its eyes was real, real evil, real sinister looking. You know, look it was giving me. Sasquatch Chronicles, a place where people share their encounters. Let's start the show. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for being here tonight. Got a great show planned for you tonight, Sunday night. How's everyone doing out there? I don't know where you guys are at, but I like to uh, complain about the weather for five seconds. It's been hot here. It's been real hot. And I know you down there, you people down in the south are laughing at me, but it's hot for me up here, so back off. (laughs) I'm just playing. Got a great show planned for you tonight. Going to be bringing Fabrice on. And Fabrice is actually out in England, so I think it's like 3 o'clock in the morning his time. Uh, But he's agreed to come on the show and talk about his encounters when he lived in California. So look for that here in a moment. Also be welcoming uh, Duke and uh, a gentleman we'll call Caveman. He's a a respected elder in the Navajo tribe uh, and he's dealt with these creatures. So he'll be sharing kind of the insight of how the Native Americans feel, specifically the Navajo, towards these creatures. So look for that coming up. If you've had an encounter and you'd like to be on the show, shoot me an email. My email address is wes at sasquatchchronicles.com. I I do try and read every email that comes through, but if you've had a specific encounter, it helps me if you put encounter in the subject line, uh, and I will will get back to you. I'd love to hear from you, love to hear your encounters, and uh, that's what the show is all about. I want to wish Teresa Cruz... 
uh, happy birthday. She's one of the admins on uh, she's one of the admins on Sasquatch Chronicle fans on Facebook. Just want to wish her happy birthday. Thanks so much, Teresa, for everything that you do. I want to remind everyone, too, right around the 1st of September, I'm going to have Sasquatch Chronicles shirts, beanies, all sorts of different gear uh, for everyone. I, I have a, some of it here in my office, and I uh, absolutely love it. I think it's cool gear to wear. The, the shirts are comfortable. The beanies are awesome. I'm a beanie guy. I love beanies. Uh, so look for all of that gear around September, beginning of September. I hope you guys get a chance to check it out and uh, maybe get yourself something. Let's jump into it tonight. For Breeze, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for being here tonight. I really appreciate you coming on. Oh, thank you very much. I'm a huge fan. Me and my girlfriend, we listen to your show every night, and uh, it's great. I really love it. I appreciate that. And I know it's uh, laid out there in England, but you, you said you had your encounter or a couple strange encounters in California. If you would kind of tell us what happened and, and sure, thanks. the experience and what you were doing. Yeah. Um, well, well, well I, was, I was about uh, probably like 19 or 20 when, well, actually I'll, I'll go to the, to the first encounter. Um, I was, I was probably like a teenager, like 13 or 12 years old. And I used to go to see my friend uh, all, all the way out in Agura Hills. It's like ranch property. It's on the edge of civilization. I mean, there's government property where it's restricted area. And, and that, that area is just nothing but wildlife, uh, creeks, oak trees, uh, you name it, like, you know, grass, like high grass rolling hills. Um, and the strange thing, it, you know, it happened a lot in the evening, actually, a lot of the stuff, uh, banging on windows, um, many, many times that's happened. And I, every time it happened, I always asked my friend, you know, what, what the hell was that? Someone just banged on a window, you know, and he said, nah, it's just the wind, you know? So I was like, okay. And I went outside and I could see some wind. It's like, okay. But then, you know, it happened again and again and again. And he always said it was the wind. And then it happened later on when we were a little bit older. Um, and it was just me and him home. His parents weren't home and it happened. And I looked out the window checked if there was wind there was no wind and i told him you know there's no wind look out the window and he just like had this crazy look on his face like okay he's right so we went outside we went to take a look and we could hear something moving in in the brush but we couldn't see because the back of the property had like a pretty high ridge um maybe well not really high it was only about 20 30 feet so it was relatively close and on the end of the property was barbed wire fence and on the other side of the barbed wire fence was just wild land i mean we used to try to go out and play there when we were kids but it was impossible because the brush i don't know the name of the plant but it is so like thorny and hard you can't even walk through it unless you get like bruised and bloody you know um so we would hear something rustling in the back and literally something just flew out of the air and this was at night and it landed right in front of us and my friend pulled it up, and it was a pine cone. I mean, it perfectly landed right in front of us. And we just thought that was really peculiar. Um, and we went back inside. We kind of shouted out, like, hey, you know, we got guns. If anyone's messing up with us, you know, we're, we're not afraid to use them. And we went back inside. And we just started tripping out on that kind of thing. And I never really thought of Sasquatch at the time. I, I was aware of it, but... I didn't put it together until I actually started listening to your shows. Um, and, and other experiences like um, like finding like neat little stacks of rocks around his property. 
And he did have um, what we call floodlights or, you know, lights that turn on automatically uh, from motion sensors. Um, and, I, and I do recall seeing those neatly stacked rocks. And it was really strange because where he lived was on top of the hill. You could not go up into his property unless the gate was opened. There was a barbed wire fence around the entire property. I mean, there, there was just no way it would have been some like, you know, prankster or some kid. I mean, me and my buddy at that time, we were probably the biggest pranksters in the neighborhood. We were the worst kids. So, you know, we would never think of going up to someone's property past the fence, you know, and also because there's just so many, lots of uh, police officers live in that area. You, you know, everyone's got guns. It just, there's no way we would have done that. So I don't know. It was really strange. Um, also something always used to pick through his garbage and, he was convinced it was coyotes. So I once noticed it and I thought, oh, someone's been digging through your trash. And he said, no, it's been coyotes. But it, it was really strange because the lid was nicely open. Things looked like they were picked out of the garbage can and neatly placed on top of the wall. You know, I, I don't know about you, but here in, in England, we've got foxes, which is the equivalent to coyotes. When they rummage through the trash they tear it to pieces you know what i mean yeah it's a mess it's a big mess you know this was like neatly placed it was just really peculiar you know and once again i I just never thought it was sasquatch i mean it it honestly looked like a person picked up the trash out of the you know looking through the bin like as if he was looking for something but anyway so that was in in agora and um did you ever go back and talk to your friend no later and say hey you remember all that not banging on windows because I've heard the wind go through there. I've been through the area. Actually, you're talking about in California. Oh yeah, there is. It is windy, but God, you know, sometimes you get wind gusts. But you you heard what you thought was banging on the window. I would imagine you would have thought, oh, okay, that's a wind. It wouldn't have really startled you if it was the wind. You know, you know what I'm saying? I yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly, I was never convinced when they always said it was the wind. I really was never convinced. Uh, I even heard someone banging on the the wall, and the wall is made of concrete. I mean, the the wind can't do that. That was really strange. And I actually seen like a print. It looked like a fist print, like something greasy or someone greasy, you know, hit the wall because their house was immaculate. You know, they really took care of the property. And uh, to answer your first question was uh, I I never – really spoke to him about it because I stopped speaking to the guy about seven years ago because he became just a really bad alcoholic and nearly got me killed one night. <laughs> and um, oh, just, yeah, so I stopped talking to him and and I only started listening to your show about a year ago. So it was only then when I really, you know, a year ago, maybe this year, I started to connect the dots. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, other things we found, I remember finding uh, it looked like a pile of human feces, but it was incredibly large. And it was so large, it made us laugh when we were kids. We're like, what the hell? Some homeless guy is coming out here, but there's no place to sleep or no place to live in that area. Because there's rattlesnakes, there's scorpions. I mean, there's just no way people would live out there. And another thing was when we were a little bit, it was around the same time when we were about 13, we went about a mile out and we went in, you know, to the, to the wild part, pretty much. There was no houses. We were being adventurous and this was at night. We thought, Oh yeah, let's go shoot some rabbits. And we had our air gun pistols, you know, they probably couldn't even puncture skin, you know? And, uh, there was a Creek. We went to the area where there's actually a Creek and I took a shot at a rabbit and missed it. And all of a sudden the entire Valley just started howling at us. Like 
it sounded like wolves, man. I, I know what coyotes sound like. They kind of have like a bit of a, a, a giddy laugh to their, their howl. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They, and they, and they sound like little dogs, coyotes. I swear it sounded like wolves and it, it frightened the life out of us. And we, I never ran like so fast for so long. I think we ran a good two miles all the way up to the hill back home. It was crazy. Now you mentioned something that hit the side of the house and it was concrete. Yeah, I definitely heard that. I definitely heard that. And 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 another thing at that house, um, I used to go there when I was about ten years old because that's when they moved out there. Um, there would be times at night when I'd wake up and I'd be absolutely paralyzed in fear, and I just was convinced something was watching me through the window. I don't know why I always felt that way. I, it was always in that house, in that bedroom, and I and it, w- it was such a struggle to actually get up to turn around and look through the window. Do you know what I mean? That paralyzing fear. Yeah, I do. Um, but I never saw anything. Um, maybe maybe it was nothing. I don't know. But um, Did the parents ever talk about it? Did they ever say what they... No, no. You know, um, the only thing I found in- interesting was his father was a sheriff, a narcotics officer, undercover narcotics officer. And he was very adamant and strict to us about not going over to the government property. It, he just said, do not go there, son. Like, cause we had ATCs. We can go anywhere. It was great. You know, cause there was fire roads and stuff, but no, nah, he said, do not go there. And it actually reminds me of one night when we were maybe like 18, the parents were gone again. They used to travel a lot. And so me and my friend would break out the whiskey and start drinking, enjoying our, our time alone in the house. And, and we're standing outside, just kind of looking over the canyons and the mountains and stuff, because where we could we could see everything. And um, he, I could hear someone walking through that that brush down the hill. And this was maybe you know about fifty feet away. It wasn't that far away. And that brush, like I said, you know, it it, it was so thorny and so hard to get through physically as as a human. You just could not do it. We we've tried it, and we we've come out just bleeding and scratched up. You know what I mean? Like it tear your clothes off. We heard someone walking. I, I heard someone walking through and I had to tell my friend to shut up. And I was like, listen, and you can hear it was someone bipedal just marching through it. Like it was no problem. And it was making so much noise. It was just crunching all the way through. And I mean, it, what was strange was that there was a fire road just adjacent to where he was walking. He could have just taken the fire road, but he, this person didn't it, that this person walked all the way through the brush and carried on over the mountain that went over to the government property, which is just wild, wild land. Um, if you look on, on uh, Google Maps, you can see there's a road called Chesbro Road, and then it connects to another road called, I think, Fairview Place. And pretty much beyond that point, it, it's just wilderness up until Simi Valley and the 118 freeway. But then once again, after that, it's just wilderness all the way through California. I wonder if you're describing Manzanita. Maybe. It, 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 it's just rampant over there. It's everywhere. I mean, it's... Ver- yeah, because I know uh, when I had Rocky on, Rocky Elmore, he talked about the Manzanita. And I've, I've been down there and seen it firsthand. I mean, it's hard. Yeah. It's impossible to get through. And he talked about it all the time. And, and it, he, they had their encounter in a similar area, except for farther south. And he said that the thing just walked through it like it was no problem. And the normal human just couldn't do that. Yeah. Just physically couldn't get through it. 
Now this this person was just going through it like no problem and making a hell of a lot of noise. And we started shouting at it, and there was no response. Um, yeah, and that was that. that. That pretty much covers Agura Hills. And then later on in my life, I think it was about 20, 21, uh, me and my bass player in my band, we, we decided we wanted to go to this cave we knew, which was in the Topanga area. And um, we basically parked our car, started walking up the trail. And as we got closer to the cave, we were about maybe 20 feet away from the cave. There was What it was is that um, when you get near the cave, you're, you're actually on top of a ridge. And you have to go down a path to enter the cave. Because on that ridge is once again like poison oak and that that bush you're talking about, manzanilla. Yeah, manzanilla. So we, but the thing is, when we approach that, that ridge, um, we can hear voices in the cave. And we stopped and listened to it for, you know, a good 30 seconds. We actually stopped and tried to listen to what this person was talking about. And it, and it was obviously talking to someone. I think it was one voice that we heard. It was a man. And they were speaking, this man was speaking quite gentle, but I could not understand one word this male voice was saying. And it, it was a very strange language. And we were only about 20, 30 feet away. You know, that, that's close enough to hear someone pretty much speaking. And, uh, I, I, you know, we, I should have been able to understand it. And, and I come from um, a family of French, Hungarian, Austrian um, and I, I, I had like Russian music teachers when I was a kid. So I know languages. I mean, this, it was really strange sounding. It sounded almost backwards sounding. Um, so me and my friend were just thinking, well, you know, we can't just go in there, you know, we have to maybe announce our presence. Maybe they're doing something, you know, sh- uh, shady. So we announced their presence and then the, 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 the voice just stopped. So we thought, oh, great. Well, now we can't go to the cave. Okay. And then it was weird. It was like as if from the cave, something jumped maybe 20 feet. And all of a sudden, 20 feet to my left, I hear the bush, just like something landed in the bush. And it started coming up towards us, up the ridge, through this manzanita um, shrub. And it was like digging its way through it. And it was bipedal. But... It started making these sounds like a bad imitation of a mountain lion, you know, and it was just like, whoa, okay. And we looked at each other and we counted to three and we just ran. And once again, I was freaked out like, you know, the other time we, we ran and we got in the van, we drove off and I, I didn't think of Sasquatch at the time, you know, um, but oddly enough, my my friend, the bass player, uh, Eric, he he told me his experience of seeing something that sounded like a Sasquatch in a nearby area, which was a kind of foresty bit. We used to go up and hang out, you know, um, and what he told me what he saw, because it reminded him of that. Uh, he saw it with his friend. He said he saw a big hairy arm with like a claw looking hand and two glowing red eyes. Was that near that same area? It was, it was closer to the Mulholland Drive uh, road where there's like a lot of kind of just wildlife. I think it's considered the Santa Monica mountains. Um, I believe there's a trail that starts all the way from Mulholland drive to all the way to the Santa Monica mountains. And, and 
all of that area, I mean, there may be sparsely some houses, but mostly is just wild land. You know, you see deers, you see cougars, you know. Yeah, that's weird. You would think that if it was a person in there, they would have called back to you yeah. or said, hey, we're in here or hey or hello or, uh, you know, or even if it's, let's say, a Russian, they're going to say something back to you just as a response. It's human nature just to respond back to someone yelling in your general direction. Yeah, that's what we thought. And that's interesting. You say that it sounded backwards. I just spoke to a guy three days ago who he was hunting. Mm. And he said it sounded like a language, but like they were talking backwards. He's like, if you take like an audio track and play it backwards, he goes, that's what I heard. And he goes, but it, it ended up throwing rocks at this guy, and he never saw what it was. But he said, if you take an audio track, play it backwards, that's what I heard. Yeah, like when you get a record and you just start spinning it backwards. <laughs> right, yeah. Do you think at your friend's house, do you think he actually had – in those situations, it always amazes me because people – don't want to jump to that conclusion. So they'll say it's the wind or they'll say it's, no. it almost makes you wonder if his dad kind of knew something was going on out there or. I think so. I, I think so because he was a cop and he, he must've known something. I mean, there must've been reports, you know, um, because I, I, you know, it wasn't until I started listening to your show that I connected the dots and all these experiences. And, and, uh, you know, the story my friend told me he said, seeing the red eyes, it, it just made sense. It was like, gosh, you know, these, these things, these creatures, you know, a road isn't going to stop them. A road does not tame wildlife. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously, there's so many sightings of them crossing roads anyways. But uh, what I'm trying to say is that, like, a lot of people think that they're so arrogant in thinking that we've conquered all that land in America. But they don't really understand how vast the wild is and how it actually creeps into the, the areas of the suburbs, you know, because the suburbs are surrounded by a wildlife. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if my, my father's um, my friend's father knew about something because uh, there was actually a, a, a military base out in the middle of that area. Um, it's I believe it's called Roswald, like R O S W A L D. And recently, some information has just been published that they used to have a nuclear reactor in there and stuff. I don't know. They're just doing some dodgy stuff. I also heard it was like a missile testing plant. I, I don't know, but I've seen it. I've actually seen the gates. I've driven up to it with a friend of mine, and I've actually seen that military base, and it's in the middle of nowhere. I wonder if it's the same base. Gosh, probably 200 shows ago, I had some people on from the military that were in a base out there uh, where you're describing, and they describe it in the middle of nowhere, and they had problems with these things running in, you know, going across mm. the um, – because they have ground sensors and everything. But they used to always have problems. He said the – and he called them apes. He said the apes would always – get on the base and always run, you know, be in areas they're not supposed to be. And everyone on the base was well aware of it. I think he was a military police officer, actually. Mm. And he said everyone on the base was aware of it. They were told not to talk about it. But he said this thing would get through in areas no man could actually get into. And they just kind of run around. They chased him a couple times in the Jeeps, lighting him up and uh, all kinds of stuff out there. I remember that show. Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> Makes me wonder if it's yeah. the base you're mentioning. You mean he didn't tell you which base it was? He did. I think we left it off the air, but he did tell it. But it was in California. And when you said Roswell, uh. that made me stop. Because I think when him and I were talking, I said, you mean Roswell? So I think it might be the same base we're talking about, but it wasn't Roswell. It sounded like Roswell, New Mexico. It was Roswell, yeah, with a D. It was crazy, man. It was a crazy, crazy show. 
Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think they, they can pretty much get anywhere. You know, I mean, geez, you, you've seen them, right? I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, I don't think they'd have any problems getting on, onto a base or going through the brush you're talking about. I don't see them having any issues with that. You know, they're they're built different than we are. They're stronger. And mm. you would think, though, it would hurt going through some of the brush that, that you hear them go through. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, their skin is probably callous, you know? Fabrice, I appreciate you coming on, man, and sharing it. Thank you for having me. And it's a pleasure uh, speaking to you and listening to your show as well. Thanks, Fabrice. The, the pleasure was all mine. Thank you so much again for coming on. Let's jump to our next guest. I want to welcome uh, Caveman to the show. Caveman, how are you tonight? All right, I'm good to go. And I want to welcome uh, a fan favorite. He's our uh, Sasquatch Chronicles celebrity. Duke, thanks for coming on. Always fun to be uh, on the show with you, Wes, and hide out all your fans out there. Thanks for listening, guys. And I'm really glad to have uh, Caveman on the show. Obviously, it's a nickname, Caveman, uh, but I know you're you're a very well-respected member of the tri- tribal uh, area, and I know you've kind of grown up with these creatures. You, you've had knowledge passed down to you uh, regarding these creatures. Tell us about the first time you ever encountered them. Okay. Um, the first time was I was about maybe five or six years old. My, my brother, my younger brother and my older sister, we were, uh, you know, playing in the house late at night. I'd say somewhere around nine o'clock. Uh, our babysitter had disappeared and uh, we were just tearing up the house, going back, back and forth from uh, the living room to the kitchen. Just, just playing around, and here uh, my brother just lets out a real big yell cry, hey, a little like that, and pointed at the window in, in the kitchen. And um, uh, it was uh, the kitchen sink window that uh, he was pointing to. And um, we, uh, my older sister and myself, we had just um, touched, I think we were playing tag or who can get to a uh, certain place real fast. And we had t- just touched the sink, and he was little ways back, about five five feet back from us. And uh, he pointed at the window, and he um, we looked over there, and we couldn't really comprehend what we were looking at. And uh, we stood there for a little while, you know, trying to ask one another, you know, what it was. And the thing that was uh, looking back um, had um, the reflection of the light from uh, uh, the lighting from the the the, the, uh, the kitchen and the moonlight coming in from the outside, and so we could see the whole uh, body shape, uh, the upper body shape, and then. Um, we uh, just kept looking at it. Uh, it had big brown eyes, kind of bloodshot eyes. And um, the thing that still uh, is in my mind is that uh, the way that it, it, it was looking at us through si- the sideways. But the eyes, uh, the pupil, I should say, was slanted horizontally. And... Um, the, the, and then it comes out. I don't know what you call on the eyeball where it comes out. It was kind of like yellowish orange. And then it, it could see the little uh, white. And then from there it was bloodshot. And um, 
they, they were they, they were like maybe half dollar size uh, big eyes that were looking at us sideways, and so um, we looked at it and they kind of you know just uh, looked back at us and we saw a real big um, arm or which we we thought at the time was a big trunk, and I asked my sister. You know, what is that? You know, we were just looking at it about two feet away from it, just looking up. And it was just standing there. And here she says that, Dad, that's an elephant. So, you know, we, at that at that time, we thought it was an elephant, you know, that roamed the night. And, um, <laughs> so she thought the arm dangling looked like an elephant's trunk. Yeah. And here, uh, later on, we found out it was the arm that was going across the window, holding on to the other corner, the opposite corner of the the window. Yeah, we thought that it was an elephant because that that at the time it was that, that trunk was huge. Did you get a good look at the face? Yeah, it it was uh, kind of like a grayish, weather beaten uh, face. It wasn't uh, like uh, it was cracked or, you know, how like a, a chimpanzee face is. It's just all kind of lines, like all old age and all of that. It wasn't like that. It, it, it was just fine. And um, it was kind of gray towards a white color, like dry also. That, that's how, how it was at, at the, the cheek on down. Kind of like that, and then uh, the little hairs that were coming off of it, and all that had a you know real big kind of like beard, and it just came all the way around the, the face, uh, all on to the chin. But as further as it goes towards the eyes, it became kind of like um, just a regular brown, uh, lighter color um, complexion. And that, that's how, how I seen the, the really first one. And like I said, you know, I didn't know what it was at the time. And it didn't, it didn't scare us or anything. We just didn't know what it was. And was the creature just standing there watching you guys? Yeah. It, it was uh, motionless. It just, you know, like in a frozen state. It, it just, the, the only thing that was, that was moving was the eyes. It would look past us. And then it would look back down on us. So I'm thinking that it was looking at uh, my brother. The thing about it is uh, after that, we, we wanted to see what it was. You know, we wanted to see that elephant. Oh, we, God. Uh, go, out, go outside and we, we had opened the front door. We tried to uh, pull on it, but uh, my sister looks up at it and, and then... Uh, we found out it was padlocked, you know, <laughs> somewhere during all that playing that we were doing, uh, the babysitter decided to uh, go do something else, you know, and locked us in. Did the creature eventually leave? Uh, it, um, it was still there. It, it was still looking at us. We, we started to go. We, uh, my sister was the one that started to comfort my younger brother, and uh, we went back into the other other into the living room and um we you know how little kids they play like uh they cover like boxes and then pretend that it's a house and all of that and that's what we were doing and uh, we had laid out some um, little blankets and and all of that and um 
we put them in there. We came back around, and you know it was still there. And you know we tried to go outside, like it, like like I said before, we tried to really pull on the door, and we never made it out. It was still there. It, it you know when I went to sleep, it was still there. Well, it wouldn't be very threatened by children the size that you guys are at. You were like five, your younger brother's four, and your older sister was six, six or seven. It was probably just, that's what they do. I mean, uh, from now, from my experience, you know, they just, they observe you. And little kids, they like to observe them a lot. Isn't that creepy? Yeah, it is. Why do you think they do that? It's uh, they're, the way that I, uh, I think about that is um, their intelligence kind of goes into, you know, like uh, being playful and then uh, little kids do, you know, when they're all laughing, it sounds very cheerful when you, uh, when you just um, hear the kids playing. People, the, those little kids laughing and, and um, all that, they give off good vibes. And then mm-hmm. uh, the other thing I always think about is, is you know, it could be it could be dinner. That's what I, uh, I. Those are the two that I always think about. That's the one that scares me. That option B is the one that uh, you know, with my first encounter when I was ten. I don't know if it was just trying to make us leave the area or if it was seriously considering us as a possible snack. You know, either way, I wasn't sticking around to find out. But <clears throat> you know, that's that's one of the things that's always bothered me about the whole. Um, uh, trying to find out about this whole creature and uh, or possible more than one variety of creature and what they're up to because this thing of over and over and over again seeing them, you know, showing interest in kids and then the actual cases of missing kids that sometimes are really suspicious. Um, you know, it, it's just, it sends a chill down your spine. What, what does the tribal elders say about this creature? Because you know the Navajos were known as pretty fierce warriors, not not a people you really want to mess around with. From what I've read in the past, like, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, they didn't have they didn't care too much for these things. Yeah, there's a um, a story about it that they were driven up north, and um, they went as far as uh, into the next uh, country. The way they said it, the way the elders. And the songs, you see, it's in the songs also. The way the way that it is is, uh, they were um, just being a nuisance out here, and um, eating people, being in, in the way, and you know, always just being bullied. They were they were kind of like uh, driven all the way past. The way it is is past them big trees to the north, the wooded forest. Some had escaped. But majority of it were taken all the way up to where it was really cold, so they won't return. And where where this cold area is, is, is some real big mountains. And from there on, they crossed it, and they crossed, uh, they uh, chased them into um, past the land, and a different land, and they escaped from there in all different directions. And um, that's, that's uh, what the story is about also, as in they were exiled, in other words. Would you say that your uh, your people in general have friendly relations with them, or do you um, view them with suspicion? Do you think that they're pot- uh, potentially dangerous and, you know, 
potentially it, a problem. It was, yeah, it, it was always uh, dangerous. It's a bad omen to have them come around your uh, dwelling, you know, your residence. They've been known to eat people, and that was the reason why you would get them away from your house because everybody that lived a long time ago, as the elders had said, you know, when there were no boundaries. Let me ask you, have you dealt with any violent encounters around the reservation that you've actually looked into? Uh, well, for me, um, I have um, encountered one that was on top of the mountain that they told me to come look at. And what had happened was uh, there was a guy that uh, would herd sheep up in the mountains, and he had his uh, rifle with him, a real, you know, real good big one, a T-70. And um, he would, uh, he was out there. He was a good shot, you know. He was a, you know, regular mountain man. And one night, um, I guess he, he had a confrontation, or this thing followed him home. And uh, his relatives were the ones that called me, said that they couldn't find him. And then they also called the police. And even before I got to that place, uh, they had found him three miles away with a leg missing. But the footprint right at the front door were very visible, where he was dragged out from his bed all the way out, left the door open, his wallet and his gun was still um and laying there, and his wallet, his money, food, and everything. It wasn't bothered. It, the only thing that was that came out of that house was him. And the thing about it is, uh, the man had his, his leg was pulled off only on one side, and he bled to death. So whatever this thing is, is is um, it wasn't bitten off, and it wasn't clawed off. It was torn off. Yeah, it was torn off. It wasn't chewed off or anything like that. It was just ripped out. And Jesus, I bet there was a lot of blood when that happened. It must have been a pretty easy sign to find it. Yeah, and, and here, uh, the black bears that we have over here are are not that big, like uh, up in um, the northern part, you know, in the northern states. The black bears over here uh, are only somewhere around four, four feet to uh, three to four feet. That's the biggest as they get. So it couldn't have been a bear. A bear would have clawed at him and probably uh, uh, ripped him apart right at the right inside the house. He didn't ripped apart, no doubt. That's you know it's it, that's how you know that those are, those are the different things. The thing about it is that when this he was dragged out, and from there there was no dragging mark, all the way to where. Uh, that guy laid. We already knew what it was, but uh, you know how uh, law enforcement is and all that. It's a bear. They uh, just um, took the body, and then that was it. And, and, and we, we just uh, left it the, at that. Uh, the family ever get to see the body at all? The, the relatives were the only ones to, to go over there to identify the body. So they didn't have like an open casket funeral or anything like that? Uh, not, not, um, not this, this one. And there's another one that had happened, which, uh, uh, my, um, my buddy Brenda Harris had also, uh, um, investigated. And, um, this was inside a Hogan. It came inside the house. 
and it sat down right by just just it, right right by the door, and and it was trying to get uh, smooshed out, and here uh, it got violent, and man, that um, guy to the ground while there was another elderly lady that was in there. She's the one that called the cops. He was ripped up, body parts missing, you know, the legs and uh, one leg and, and the arms all ripped up. The other, did the other lady manage to make it out of there? The, yeah, the, the lady got out of there and called the police. They were so still like arrested. I presume while it was attacking him, she used it as, you know, it's just going to kill me in a second. I better get out of here and call the police sort of opportunity. Yeah, and there was another resident, which was only approximate uh, uh, length to that next resident, was only about 100, and, 100 to 100 feet. She went over there, and then she just uh, told her neighbors to call the police. And they came over there, and the guy that um, I, I went over there with actually was at the scene, I guess, she, he lives about an eighth of a mile west of where it happened, and here um, he came up the road, got to that place, and just then the police had um, got to that place also. And he was interviewed, thought, they thought that he was the one that um, killed the guy. We went around there after all the, the police, uh, that police yellow line that they put up was all around it, and when it started to get windy and it blew away, and he took me back to that place, and then we walked inside, looked inside, and then that's when we found uh, blood all over. What do you think set those creatures off? Uh, the upper part, the upper part of um, the innards were gone. So that creature, you can tell if it, if those things are gone, that creature was hungry, and they. Um, uh, it, 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 it's trail was just, uh, maybe 200 feet. There's a wash. It's called like a, a creek, a drainage that comes off, uh, from the east and goes to the west and the creek goes right by their house. And, um, they, they, they said that they always say, see them, see maybe a couple walking by or screaming or, just making different noises walking through there. So the, the people that live along that creek, you know, at certain times, they would just go inside and just look out. In other words, when the sun is just about to go down, you go inside. That's what you know, we were always told also. That's the thing I've noticed about the stuff that's been going on down there so far, Caveman, is that everything is near one of these water courses where they can just be following the the rivers of the little tributaries connected to them and get to all these places where this stuff has been happening at. That's uh, what we notice is they walk inside now what we call the, the wash, the wash areas. They're like maybe some, some areas, they're like uh, 10, 12 feet where the water had eroded into the sand. And mm-hmm. the water still uh, trickles down through them. Some, some of them, some of them are dry, but these uh, huskings they um, go through there as like uh, to, to be out of everybody's way. If I understood you right, it attacked and killed these two, and actually ate a portion of them. And so you're thinking these creatures were hungry? Uh, they were hungry. 
the guy that was there, that his uncle, that was his uncle that it happened to. He was saying that, that they might have uh, been um, putting out dog food for their dogs, but these citizens, would, when they come by, would be uh, thinking that they were being fed. So they were sort of habituating them by accident. They didn't even realize that they were doing it. Leave the dog food outside and not realize something else is going to come by and eat it and then start thinking it's their right. food. People, a lot of people don't know that they do that. And they, when they yeah, have no kidding. Me and Wes would both example. be super rich if we had five cents for every time we heard one of those uh, those stories where it was, you know, leaving food out for the poor little starving animals or let's feed the dogs out on the porch all the time or, you know, let's not be very careful about how easy it is to get at the food for the livestock. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, you and same thing with garbage containers and stuff, too. That attracts bears. It's the same sort of principle. Boom, free food. Boom, they're there. They're opportunists. Yeah. There's a, you know, let me, let me put in uh, one example. There's this guy that I used to work with. He um, uh, was feeding them cantaloupe rinds and uh, watermelon. Uh, I guess he felt sorry for them. He would feed them a mile away from his house. As soon as the, the construction uh, work started to go down, he got laid off. Next thing he know, we know he comes back to tell us, hey, you know, this thing followed me home. I didn't have nothing to, to give them anymore, and they followed me home. One actually put their arm inside my house and grabbed a, a watermelon that I had. He said, that's one big mistake I told you. When you told me the first time, I told you not to do that. Mm-hmm. And they will follow you home. Don't matter, you know, if you're about five, ten miles away, they'll follow you home. They know, you know, the sound of the, the vehicle, yep. the voices, and all of that. They'll, they they know that. You know, the dogs, how how they uh, jump up when uh, my wife starts to come over and coming back. Even before I could see her coming down the road, they, you know, jump up, start barking, and, and that'll be it. And sure enough, she comes over the, the road and, you know, over over the hill and on the road and all that. Oh, you know, they, they know that. So these, these are uh, customs. They're the same way. Okay, man, what do you think that these things are? I'm sure you got to, uh, you know, and you don't have to give me the politically correct answer, but, what I mean, honestly, what do you think that these things are? My own opinion or uh, from the elders? No, your honest opinion. For me, uh, they are ancient people. They've been here, uh, living here. They've been always been here. We started to coexist with them, and like that, that that it says in in the legend, they were already here. And that's what it says in the legend. These are the ones that you know. The the things that I'm telling you now are not in the history books. Mm-hmm. And not in any of the books that are there. That's the reason why they say, you know, it's a bad omen to be talking about it, to be around them, to observe them, and, and all of that. Why is it a bad omen? What is it that makes it a bad omen? Because when it comes around, it, it's like uh, they pick at your uh, your things. They'll either eat your livestock, they'll... Uh, try to climb in your house, they, they'll come in your house and pick you up, steal a child here and there, and 
you know, it's just it's just negative. You know, if you get a visitor, anybody else knows. I mean, in this society that we live, you know, when you have a visitor, then uh, that visitor says hello and tries to be nice and have be have manners. But this thing when they when it comes around at night, it don't have manners. It just decides to take what it wants or destroys what it wants. Is it viewed negatively among the tribal elders to shoot and kill one of these things? Uh, we will name it, you know, shoot it in the leg or shoot up in the air, throw a rock at it. If you throw a rock at it, it'll immediately turn around and walk away. It won't stare at <laughs> you or it won't charge you. You immediately throw a rock at it. But um, if it comes closer, if it keeps coming around, that's when you name it. You know, you, you shoot at the leg, and then we we don't we don't try to kill it. So you think of them as they're 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 sort of similar to to people, like an ancient race of people, relic hominids would be the way that we'd say it in Western science. They're like some kind of a caveman type creature or something like that that are still just you know not to, not to make a play on names there with your name caveman but uh that they've been, you know they've been out there living in that that style of life for forever as far as we know they were there when you guys showed up and you guys have been there for a tremendously long time yeah so i got these two brothers and they're having non-stop problems with these things i mean they're getting charged up to their uh, one of the brothers had, was charged up into the garage, ran inside, and when they came out, there was muddy footprints, and it looked like he had peed in his garage as it was chasing him. But these these guys have been chased several times by these things. They claim they see them all the time, day and night, and they go through and describe different ones and tell you, well, this one looks more ape-like, this one definitely has more of a uh, human appearance, and they talk about uh, one that has really long hair, they say he seems to direct traffic, and I asked him what he meant by that, and he goes, well, like the military, like special forces, there's one guy in charge. That's kind of what they do. But they can't get these things to go away. They've lit their property up. You know, they've tried just about everything to make these things go away, and the last resort, you know, we've been talking about was shooting one of them. Do you think there'd be retaliation, though, for shooting one of these things, even if you maim it? If, if you maim it, it goes away, and it thinks twice. Uh, of coming around again but there are like uh, we say there are other relatives out there up there and they're the ones that will come around and try and uh, do what the other other uh, the one that got uh, shot they'll try to do that and they'll be more forceful like that if you shoot one of them and they lay dead there then that's different Is there anything you'd recommend to these guys as opposed to shooting it? One thing that I do is uh, I pee dogs. (laughs) I pee around my house all the time. I mean, my significant other be yelling at me, hey, there's a restroom inside. And I'd be peeing all over. You know, making my boundaries. I do that. After, even after it rains, I pee outside. And um, that makes them uh, more more uh, hesitant to come in. Like if I uh, want them to uh, come in from maybe the south, the north, or all like that, I pee only on the east and the west. 
and then sure enough, they'll, they'll come in from there. And I set up uh, just, uh, what do you call them, uh, little uh, uh, traps or something that would that would make me know that they're around. I put up a whole bunch of this. My house is like strategically set up for when these things come around. When they bump into someone, they slide one of the shovels down or they pick it up or they step on one of the rakes all of a sudden. <laughs> and it's not usually like uh, anything uh, that the adults, their adults would do. They know, the adults know, but it's the, the younger ones that are um, kind of clumsy. Right, make mistakes. Yeah, they're the ones that step on the rig or step on the shovel, and they, that's when they um, yell out. Or it, what they do is quint, and then that's when you know. And they, they think that the, when they quint, they think that it's real low, and you could hear it. Oh, they, it, it'll wake you up. It'll be like, Oh, uh, kind of loud. Hey. Uh, it's kind of like that. Has anyone on the reservation shot one of these things? We've only heard about the one that was seen that got shot way up in the mountain as it was following the whole family back. Can you tell us that story? Um, they went out to uh, gather firewood for the winter, and there were some guys. Uh, the brothers and cousins, which usually somewhere around five, they went out uh, about five miles away from their house. And here, uh, they didn't. It didn't holler or it didn't make noises or anything. Uh, they just noticed that that there was uh, a husking that was around, and that's the reason why they left after they were almost done with their uh, fire um, firewood uh, pickup. And they left, and going down the road, they found out that this thing was still following them, and they were going towards closer to their house. So then they just uh, stopped. One guy said, "Hey, you know, we we were, we don't want to lead that thing back to the house." So he took Good out God, his no. uh, thirty odd six and with the scope, and uh, when this thing came out in the open, they just plugged them over right there. And um, they called the uh, rangers and the police, and from there on, they took care of it. They just told them, you know, you never seen this. From there, they, they were told not to talk about it. It never happened, and nobody would believe them because the body, there's no body. Right, no body. So they, they got, that got hauled away. That's, that's how, how they, they do things. That's why we didn't just maim them and... You know, make them not come around. Yeah, it discourages them. And peeing is also one thing that, you know, make sure that it's a male that's peeing around rather than a female. If it's a female, then, you know, you're just uh, saying, hey, come on in. You know, there's a woman over here. So Yeah, they like the ladies more than they should. Yeah. Do you uh, think that uh, rock salt might be a good answer for just discouraging them? Because it's got a lot more pain up front, but a lot less permanent damage on the tail end of it. That would be good. The other thing that I noticed that they uh, try to avoid is uh, uh, flashing lights. Not like Christmas yeah. lights. Like uh, there was this electrician 
guy that told that told me, hey, you know, there's this thing that comes around. At first, he asked me to investigate and all of that. Him and his wife and his kids, and I put up my uh, um, stealth cam up, and we got some pictures, and and it was it was around, yeah. So um, it even bothered the stealth cam, and I showed them the picture, and they were like, what 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 can I do? What can I do out here? Because uh, he didn't have no electricity. He only ran on um, solar and um, generators. So I told him, hey, you know, how about hook up one of those uh, really intense flashing bulbs up on top of your house at both ends? Sure enough, I guess he got the parts and hooked it up to his solar and all night long that thing just you know flash pop so what it what is it uh caveman like a strobe light like a fast strobe yeah like like just like maybe a delay delay of uh 10 seconds or 15 seconds 13 or 30 seconds that's what uh, made them you know not come around no more real you know the real intense ones that's interesting and, like yeah, blowing their night vision really freaks them the hell out because they've got all the advantage over us in the dark. And if all of a sudden they can't see properly, they want nothing to do with it. Well, it made me think as uh, Caveman's talking, Duke, that, uh, you know, we talk about lasers in the past and how mm-hmm. lasers strips your night vision away. And if you've ever yep. been on the, you know, they have those stupid fireworks that do the strobe light. After that thing gets done, man, I'm like blind for about 30 seconds. I can't see anything around me. (laughs) And I almost wonder if what Caveman's talking about does the exact same thing to them to where they can't see. You know how those uh, strobe lights that uh, that are like like warning lights um, for for, uh, these industrial uh, fire hazard warnings? Those are the ones I'm talking about. uh, If you put a clear... on top of it to cover the the bulb itself, that thing will go out about 500 feet real, real easy. Just it's boom, and then it goes recharges again while it's hissing, and then you know it all just depends on what how much of a delay you put in there mm-hmm. to get the, the the best brightness out of it. And that's what the electrician uh, did, and this this thing never came back around. So, caveman, you're are you kind of the go-to guy? Let's say I was living on the reservation and I had these things around my property. Do I call you, or who? Who? How does that work on a reservation? It all depends. Uh, people are starting to find out that um, I um, I would investigate around the house, around the the residence, and um, find out if it's really coming around. I'll do. I'll sit out there for you know all night and all of that or half the night if i see one just right then and there yeah you know it's just yeah i'll give him you know some options from there on you know whatever they can work with that that's what they do you know so and then there's uh brenda harris uh my buddy you know she's a sweet little lady they go to her too and whoever knows about them and then there's uh, uh other uh, researchers that they, that they uh, go to also that that are around there there's, there's a lot of them that um have a lot of knowledge and i'm not the only one that has encountered here 
on the New Mexico side. There's a whole bunch of uh, um, groups that are here that that do their um, investigations. And um, yeah, there's that people are you know these these guys are they're are knowledgeable the way that they talk about it also. Keith, man, let me ask you two questions. I'll throw the first one at you. From people's descriptions in the area, can you give us a general description on what people are seeing from the face to the height to the weight? What are people out there on the reservation seeing? Um, uh, sometimes they would say that it's on all fours. They would, um, some of them, they, they just see it on all fours. It's just uh, a man that, you know, crouches around. That's what they say. And then some of them just call them skinwalkers, and but we know what they are, you know, kind of. We just tell them. And then um, the height of these things it all it all depends on the the region. The ones that are like in the lower elevation where I live, somewhere around uh, fifty six hundred, are a little bit scrawny and just a little bit uh, small, kind of like maybe six feet to seven feet. And uh, some of them are, you know, the, they, they range up to eight feet. They're, they're, they're small. And uh, they're kind of slender also. And they uh, walk upright. And when, you, when they're walking upright and they're standing, they're, they're very straight. They're in a straight backbone. And just like a kind of like a, trying to describe it, just a straight man, just a tall man, just walking real straight. That's how they, they walk. And then uh, the ones that uh, uh, that are in the higher elevation, like the mountains, they're huge. You know, they're, they're very, maybe 10 to 12 feet. They're, they're, they're the muscular ones. And they're, oh, that's God. the two different ones of uh, what I've seen. And when these guys come down for their feast in the, the local uh, gardens that people, you know, plant corn and watermelon. There's a whole bunch of uh, people that do that. They go out there, and then there's the ones that, you know, raid them gardens uh, and all of that. And here, uh, oh, oh, it's, you know, it's like that. And then amongst them, then there's that wolf-looking one. So, And uh, that one walks upright, too. And some of these uh, hustings try to disguise themselves as that also. And that's why... You would see sometimes, I've seen them, you know, some other people's photos that look like uh, somebody else is looking behind uh, something that has ears, you know, and that is kind of dark and like that. And so they wear pelts, you know, they wear uh, disguises. It's policing, but the actual one, and what I'm talking about is the dog man. That one walks around be like that and sometimes I've, I've seen um, them both together I've heard that you know they don't like each other and have wars and all of that but I've seen them together and all of that and, and that's uh, I've seen those with the ones that wear the pelts also so you're describing dogmen wearing like pelts no the the, the hosting the hosting is the bigfoot the whole name is Hustin Zekui and in Navajo. Oh, I gotcha. And so the Hustin is easy to pronounce and Zekui 
is is kind of like hard for people to pronounce. So I just uh, keep it at Hustin. Really, Hustin means man, you know, man and uh, really they respected man. It could be a leader and all of that. But the way that these elders say that Hustin is that would mean that you know the man from the the hairy man from the mountain. So the name head man comes first, and then the describer of what kind of man you're talking about is what yeah. comes afterwards. Yeah, so I just uh, cut the name in half because uh, people <laughs> understand that more. I'm talking, you know, it's just like saying the man to the English non-speaking Navajo and uh, like that. I uh, don't mean to be disrespectful, but I just try to, to, to make it more simple. It's just like saying Sasquatch. Yeah, you know, I, I get what you're saying. Do you think that these creatures have ill intent when you come across them? Some of them do. Like I said, somebody else would have maimed it somewhere else, and they will have ill feelings towards the next human that goes that they see. If uh, even just being in the area, and like for an example, I went down below to where the water, you know, the San Juan River is, and I wanted to cut some uh, tree limbs to make a corral. And here I started my um, chainsaw and um, I cut down three trees and decided to take a break because I dragged them all out and all of that all by myself. So I decided to take a break and went off to the site. And here over, you know, the trees, the trees are like maybe 30 feet high. There's, uh, you know, it's very thick. You know, I was only cutting out the ones that were sticking out. And here on that uh, opposite side, I, I, there were um, uh, big branches about maybe three inch or four inch diameter uh, by four feet that flew over the the trees. And about then the trees were at like 30 feet up in the air. And I took off out of there and... I, I packed up, so, you know, I, they might have been sleeping, and I here I turned on my chainsaw and, you know, woke them up, and it's like saying, hey, you know, get out of here. How far do you think that uh, that tree branch flew? I mean, that's that was a sizable piece of wood, too. Right where I was, I, was, I chainsawed left, that's where it flew. And <laughs> I, was, I was lucky to have walked away when I, you know, cut that one down. And I left that one. I just picked up my chainsaw and took off. And then how I was, I was thinking about it as I, you know, set off. And I tried it at a different place. I was like, okay, you know, um, let me try it. So I picked up, I um, chainsawed one, and one of the branches about the same length and the same diameter. I threw it up, and it just hit about maybe 12 feet up in the air and then it came back down i didn't even not even clear that those trees i tried several times even spinning with it like you're trying to throw a disc you know one of those discus and here um i didn't have no luck yeah you're plenty of reports of them blobbing huge things at people when they get mad at them the distances and the heights they can throw some of this stuff it's terrifying it's like you've got a, a medieval catapult over there lobbing stuff at you there was a guy that called me, one of my uh, one of my buddies. He, he goes on top of the mountain, too, you know, to, to, to the sheep camp. 
in here one time he called me and he says hey i was uh taking my seat back into the corral and i was um kind of like uh out in the open and here there's a, a cliff off to the side about maybe 500 feet he said and here uh first um i saw rocks that were being thrown at my feet and then it started to go towards me and these uh, rocks were somewhere around seven to six uh, inches being thrown way out there. And it almost hit one one, um, almost onto my horse's face. I looked up there and this thing was standing on top of uh, that cliff. He laughed at me after he um, sees that uh, my horse kind of bucked with me. He said, so that's, that's what they do. The Sasquatch laughed at you? Yeah, lad, they laugh. Whoa, whoa, ho, 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 ho. They say that. That's interesting. I've only heard that one other time. Uh, the I, What I've been getting a lot lately on the show is people who, especially hunters, the last couple shows, the person hears what sounds like a child laughing and like a conversation going on, but they can't understand the conversation. It sounds like uh, Russian backwards. I mean, it's just real, very hard to understand what, but it's some sort of conversation. And as they'll walk towards the sound, they'll get growled at and huffed at. And so it makes me wonder, you know, if these things really do have a true language. I realize every animal has a language. I mean, I could, I should videotape the squirrels out back when they chatter back and forth to each other, like they're having a conversation. So I realize that they do, but in this sense, it was a real odd encounter because there was laughter one was trying to talk over the other one it's almost like a bunch of kids until he walked up on it and it started growling at him and he backed off really quick he said that that was no kids yeah i got an example for both of you guys here from my own personal experience i was taking care of one of my friends uh he had an african green parrot and i had to take care of about about a month and the parrot's name was chico and chico as young as he was and he was young parrot already had like seven or eight different things that he could say and he could actually string together what these things meant, apparently. And here's an example. He didn't like the cat that I had. The, the cat would be miserable and try and torture him in his little perch during the day. So uh, <clears throat> he would pay attention when the cat was sleeping, and he would try and get back at the cat. And he was once watching the cat laying down there sleeping. He goes, flutters down to the ground or the, the, the floor, uh, slowly trudges across the floor up to the cat's tail, Bites a cat on the tail and flutters back up to his perch as fast as he can. Well, of course, that wakes the cat up. Parrot's got a hell of a bite. Cat's freaking out, running in circles, wondering what attacked it. Now, here's the point that's important. The parrot lands back up on his perch and goes, <laughs> Fuck you. He knew exactly what he was saying. He knew exactly what that meant. That was He doesn't know a language. He's just been observing the humans around him and has picked up what these sounds that they're making potentially might mean. And you know a Bigfoot's got to be at least as damn smart as a parrot is. We we always, um, when we hear uh, stuff like that, we uh, uh, mimic it. We really don't have like uh, words like grunt or golf, like laughing with real low. We, we really don't have words uh, like that we use out here. We usually mimic it. Like uh, it would say, oh. Or like that, mm-hmm. or the ones that we 
we're throwing rocks. Me and my nephews in here. Uh, they see um, one walks out after the horse, and then he, he, uh, my nephew threw a rock into the bushes again, and he kind of just uh, while it's walking away, it it kind of like just look to the side, and he goes, and then now my my nephew kind of got scared, and he says, "What did he say?" And I was like, he, he said, if you throw another rock, I'm going to eat all three of you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably good translation. That'd be a poem, my guess would be for it. <laughs> and yeah, they do. Uh, with rocks some of them, they do, do uh, talk in high pitches. They say that, not more. And then they say that, there's a lot of in. That's the way, you know, that we um, mimic it. We notice like that. And there's a lot of, you know, like, uh, I think that's what you're talking about, but backwards Russian when you say, I've often wondered if they do have some kind of a language that they're using amongst each other in order to convey what's going on, and if they have, like, actually the same sort of language in, in you know, all over North America, or if there's little variations from place to place. You know, it seems to me like... Well, you know, you know what was strange? Not to cut you off, Duke. You know what was strange? Those guys I had on, you and I talked in, in depth about this. One of the things the guys said was, rarely will you ever hear them speak. Mm-hmm. In this particular location, caveman, I'm talking about. He was saying, rarely will you ever hear them actually speak. He said, "There's a lot, a lot of pops, a lot of teeth chatters or pops." He almost wonders if they're talking at a lower frequency we can't hear. And he said, "The only time you ever heard some of the stuff that you're describing is when the really big one shows up." He said he doesn't really necessarily do animal sounds. He'll do more of sounds like a Russian talking backwards, that type of vocalization. Have you heard that before? I've never heard that before. I've never heard that. I've I've um, listened to like the high pitch, like that. I've heard that one, and then like the lower, the one I just did a while ago. That I've um, you know I've listened to that. We seem to get reports around here of the people hearing the higher pitched ones because they have they tie it in with. Um, like uh, Chinese uh, mine workers that were like killed in the mines around here or something and say that the, there's an abandoned mine over there and the ghosts are haunting it. It's those Chinese miners and you can hear them chattering away, talking to each other in Chinese at night off in the woods and stuff. You know, it's like, <clears throat> okay, that sounds pretty much like the same thing you're describing there, uh, caveman. It, it, that, that sounds, you know, how I, you know, came upon several of them you know, in conversations was, you know, uh, just like you said, uh, there's all these caves around here. And here, uh, you would hear them, you know, just kind of like stand off to the side. I had, for me, I, um, I don't even would want to go up to a cave, you know. Just, just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tough to get me to go near them in the daytime, not anywhere near them at night, that's for yeah, sure. I only go through there during the daytime and, you know, when I, when I, Listen, then it would be way in the background. You go, and then all of a sudden you hear, ah, 
and then, then it goes silent. I almost wonder if that's what some of these witnesses that are coming on are confusing it for, because the way they describe it is like two female children talking. And that's kind of what you're doing, Caveman. I mean, I almost wonder if that's kind of what they're hearing, that real higher pitch, and they're alluding it to being, you know, they're in their mind they're perceiving it to be a female uh, when it may not be. Yeah, something to hear. But for me, I, I would say that it's like little kids. Just uh, trying to stay quiet. Maybe the hot team is all trying to go to sleep and the little kids are talking. And, and, you know, <laughs> and the One of the like, big ones up. finally gives them the notice to shut up. It's time to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. You kind of alluded to it earlier talking about the uh, cover-up and how the guys were told, hey, you never saw anything. You guys weren't here. Yeah, obviously, there's some sort of cover-up going on. Why do you think it's being covered up? There is something going on uh, by the government. There's a lot more paperwork that came up, um, even to uh, grasp, land, uh, you know, to, to get uh, to lease some land on the reservation. You know, to, uh, there's a lot more paperwork that you have to turn in into uh, the local uh, government offices, and it, the way that. Um, the documentaries that I um, looked at were not, you know, of hot teams or anything like that. Um, they were like uh, like the BLM and also the scientists that say that the 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 war the, the war there's no more aqueducts and, and and all of that. They're they say that they're studying all of that and all of that coming from way down south New Mexico all the way up to uh, the borders of Idaho. And people, some of these people are being told to, to move out because all of a sudden there's an uh, there's, uh, endangered plant that grew up right where they used to graze, or where, where they graze all the time. And these ranchers were saying that. And then the other scientists were saying that the, 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 the water within that area... That range, you know, it's, it's a big, vast uh, thing that they were talking about, that um, the fish are disappearing and all of that, and people that uh, used to go fishing are told not to go fishing there no more, and it goes all the way up. So it's uh, something that, you know, that is there, and then the reason why that they, to me, my own opinion is, they're bringing them in. One time, there's a guy that was uh, telling me one of the rangers. They told they told him that um, they were bringing in a grizzly bear from, uh, I think it was Oregon, and that grizzly bear was ferocious up in that area, and they were bringing it down into the reservation. I was like, well, well what about us? I said, what if it eats us? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah, we're hungry. Like, I'd, be, I'd be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're bringing a ferocious bear, <laughs> and you're going to drop it in our community and wish us all Godspeed as you guys take off. I mean, this sounds like, I, uh, maybe it's a Native American in me, but this is outrageous. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, God, some of the crap they, they try and get away with it just boggled the mind. So there's a lot of uh, new new uh, new things that they they come up with, you know uh, how they like what I'm saying they they um, they 
ask you, like, um, in, I think it was, like, five pages of your plan to have land, you know, set aside for you. You fill out all that up. You forecasted how how the the, the bushes are going to be at. Is it going to bother some other wildlife that's in the area? And it's like you, you just want to put, I don't know, but I want this land. And yeah. I want to farm it, stuff like that. And I want to use it. Yes, I will tell you what kind of plant that I want to put in and let my livestock graze on that one. They, they make you uh, plan for like 10 years to 20 years and, and you, we don't, nobody sees it. So 20 years, what if, you know, the, the main thing that people's excuse is, well, then what if I die before then? Is this still going to happen? within the years that I forecasted what I'm going to do. So people just uh, just leave it and then hear all these bushes grow up and there's a lot more uh, uh, bushes that have sprung up because of all this um, uh, government thing, study going on and all of that too. So, And then that's where these hustings, uh, they roam around within, within those bushes. They're making the environment better for them too. They got more thickets and stuff to hide in. Yes, they do. There's a lot more thickets. I'll tell you something that's going to piss you off, but you probably already know this. I've spoken to three different government officials now at this point that say they drop these things off near reservations or very poor communities. And the reason why they do that is because A, no one's going to believe the Native Americans, and B, no one's going to believe some poor old white hillbilly living out in the middle of the woods saying he ran into a Sasquatch. They're going to, you know, call him a moonshiner. They're going to call him this. They're going to call him that. You know, that that to me is uh, it's just completely outrageous. Outrageous policy, outrageous behavior. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Them saying that they're going to bring in the grizzly from way up north and it was supposed to have been, you know, relocated because it, it was ferocious and, and it that, that story right there. Hey, there's die. plenty of ferocious grizzlies right here in Montana. You could just leave it here. That's what they always do with them here. We have grizzly problems. They just relocate them up to the Bob Marshall Wilderness behind the thousand foot high wall that's 22 miles long, and they don't come back again. They don't need to ship them all the way down there to New Mexico. We got a refuge for them right here. There's no reason to ship it down there. If it gets yeah. loose again, we'll make stakes out of it. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Navajos don't eat bears. Yeah, neither do Apaches. Apaches don't eat them either. And I don't know why. Do you know why? The bear is like uh, a real close a relative. Yeah, that's what the Apaches say too. It's like your your grandpa. Yeah, if you ever skinned one, they look they look a lot like a human. So not gruesome yeah. graph, but I knew the Apaches were against it too. And uh, it's what you said, Cape Man. It's it's exactly the reason why they're against it. You know, I'm just happy that we got to cover uh, most of the stuff that we talked about here. It was nice to hear the actual uh, the the Navajo perspective on the stuff that's going on around there. And it was frankly kind of frightening that uh, Caveman can back up some of the stuff that uh, you and me have been hearing, Wes, that, you know, again, it's some of this weird stuff that we keep getting told from other people, and it all starts matching up. And the more that happens, the creepier it gets. And 
Um, you know, so on, on the one hand, I think it was just great that we had uh, Cape Man come on here to share some of that information with us. But on the other hand, it, it creeps me the hell out. You know, there's some of this stuff that we find out that we really hope it isn't true. We don't want it to be true. And then you start finding out that it might be true. And it, it's like, well, yay, we, I don't feel good about this. <laughs> well, and it's just like, and we don't have to go into dogmans. You know, some of the reports you were talking about, Caveman, about being pulled out of the house, half eaten or arm ripped off. Uh, there was a report I've been looking into in Michigan, and I'm kind of getting it through a third party that's involved with it. And he knows he went to school with the sheriff. And so he got to talking to him and he was telling him the whole story. Kept asking him, "Is it was it a wolf that got in there? Nope, wasn't a wolf. Was it a bear? Nope, wasn't a bear. Was it a mountain lion? Nope, wasn't a mountain lion. And what's interesting is when they, they asked him, when he really drilled this guy down for answers, uh, the guy came out and actually said a bipedal canine. He didn't say dog man. He said a bipedal canine attacked and killed uh, the residents of the home. And I think one of the residents, not to get too gruesome, but I think one of the residents' arms were out in the driveway. One of the legs was like a mile down the road. I mean, it had just ripped them apart. Like I said, some of them I've seen with the husband. That's the one that uh, called also Ma'iso, uh, the big wolf. It's it's really the name for uh, the the wolf the, the wolf uh, group, and it's it, it just uh, the wolf wolf the wolf name is Ma'iso, the big wolf. The, the the two <clears throat> the two um, names on there you know Ma'iso, which is wolf, but then in the, there's uh, another uh, letter you know, or word that goes afterwards. Um, they have seen also which is Ma'iso on the house of the big wolf. They call it that, and some of these are like uh, the hut that the hut teams built, and they go in there and you know they do like that. So. We have seen me. My brothers have seen seen those down on the Arizona part, and um, it, that's the one that would walk around late at night. Also, you know, it wasn't just only the husking that was that would walk around. My grandpa used to call it horse face. Don't go down down below down the wash because ho- the horse face guy would catch you. That if now a horse face. That sounds like a description of what I would call a gugwe. The uh... The Bigfoot type that's got the snout on it, the muzzle on it. That's what we call them, and it it, it, it does have ears. It does, and it has a husky body, and it, it's more more uh, what do you call more wolf looking because of the kind of like the hair kind of flipped back, just the way you would see a wolf as the hair starts on the forehead starts going back. That's the description that I have. Is seen, that what you, you know? think you got the picture of in that <clears throat> that, that one photo I got from you that I uh, had the center crop yeah, and zoomed? That's the one that was looking through the window at me. And besides, huh. I, I have both both Austin and the 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 um, the, uh, the dog man. Do you think that dog man is a complete separate species over Sasquatch? I believe. It's, it's, it's separate species. It's, it's something different. The, that one we, you know, in our, in our, uh, tribe, 
that's more animal, and the Hasim is more man. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. You know, some of the tribes I've talked to here in Washington State, they'll swear up and down we don't have them in Washington State. But what they will, I did have a tribal elder tell me, if you do come across one, shoot it. Don't think twice, shoot it. And he had nothing good to say about the uh, dog man. Yeah. Well, I just hope everybody can stay safe down there on the res because you got what looks like a perfect storm of bad things coming up here with uh, their the the weather the way it's been. Uh, there isn't going to be as much crops as there normally should be anyway from what I understand down there. There's a lot of the fields that usually have something growing in don't have anything growing in. And uh, you've got the... Uh, the Hoskins down there not having enough food and wanting to scavenge for it. And then you got the wild card of, well, the government's maybe dropping off more of them in the area and whatnot. And you had just told me here not very long ago that you thought that there was a, a general increase in the population going on. Well, it looks like we lost uh, Caveman. <laughs> uh, Duke, thanks for coming on, though, and, and sharing that. I, Caveman seems like one of those guys you could probably do three or four or five shows on just the different encounters he's had the experience he has and we just talked about one percent of stuff he's dealt with tonight and so i'd love to have him back on the show thank you so much for bringing him to the show oh you're very welcome wes and i feel the same way about talking to the caveman uh he's just got so much information and and he's so interested in this and he's had a lifelong you know set of experiences that go along with it and unlike most of us, he grew up just thinking it was like, a, you know, there's one of these things that live out here. And then uh, progressed and, and learned a lot more about it and became a, to the point where it was, you know, something that was going on fairly regular. Uh, he didn't even hardly touch on this, but he's got him still messing around at his property uh, constantly. Two, three days ago, there was uh, a couple of them up there that took a, a bag of uh, horse feed that he had, 55 pounds of it. They left the bag there, but there was nothing left in the bag when, when the sun came up again. So this is just an ongoing thing for him. And I really treasure talking to the guy because, I, you know, we have so much fun sharing information with each other and stuff uh, that I just have a great time. And I figured that your fans would, would enjoy it too. And it would be nice to get another perspective on uh, what may actually be going on down there on the Navajo res. And, uh, you know, so I'm glad you, you could uh, find the time to have him on your show, Wes. And thank you, Duke, for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Next week might be, uh, might have you back. Got a couple of really interesting shows. Can't talk too much about them at the moment, but uh, I'd like to have you back for them because you might find them very, very interesting. Well, it's always a possibility. If you, uh, you want to drag me on there with you, I'd be happy to come on and, and help you uh, go through the whole thing. And don't forget about Conspiracy Corner either. I'm pushing west to try and get part two uh, of the uh, Base 211 one done, you guys. So well, don't freak out. <laughs> we'll get it done at some point. Yeah, we may have end up having to redo it due to my laptop issues. So that's where I was at to save. Yeah. So that's frustrating. But... Um, <laughs> We'll find a way. We'll get it back up. <laughs> well, I've got all the video and everything that we need to put it together again, and we really need to do another audio part for it to go from where we left off and explain it from there back to where we were at, where they were in Operation High Jump in Antarctica, and then what happened from there. And if you get a chance, check out World Bigfoot Radio on YouTube. Also, uh, SasquatchChronicles.com. Check out the image I posted back on August 4th. Uh, it was sent to me. I put a little blurb in there. I'm not claiming it's a Sasquatch by any means. Interesting image captured. So if you get a free moment, check that out. Jump over to YouTube. 
subscribe to Duke at World Bigfoot Radio. Until next time, Duke. Uh, Take care, Wes. Love you, brother. Take care, everybody out there. Thanks, Duke. And that's it for tonight, everyone. Remember, if you've had an encounter, shoot me an email. Wes at SasquatchChronicles.com. Look for all the Sasquatch Chronicle gear right around September 1st. Until next time, everyone. Have a good night.
Run into Old Navy Saturday and Sunday for 50% off all Old Navy active styles for adults and kids. They're all 50% off. But hurry, it's Saturday and Sunday only at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 215 to 216 excludes in-store clearance and baby.